0: verses 11 to 20. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verses 11 to 20. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me, except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants. We his servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello. Can everybody hear me? Am I all right? Sound-wise? Thank you. If at any point my voice drops, just wave and I'll start shouting. (laughs) Over the past two weeks, we've heard how Nehemiah was broken-hearted over the state of Jerusalem's walls. He believed that something must be done about them. He believed that God was calling him to do something about them. Travelling to Jerusalem would mean hardship and frustration. Yet after months of prayer, Nehemiah was convinced that God was calling him. When he arrived, he spent three days alone, as we've just heard. He inspected the ruins at night when no one would see him. What was he doing while he was alone? In verse 12, Nehemiah says, What my God was putting into my mind. Nehemiah's concern was not limited only to what he said and did in public in fact he hadn't said anything in public yet but in private as well when no one was around he was spending time seeking direction from the Lord he was spending time alone with God Jerusalem was still functioning to some extent it hadn't been totally deserted a remnant of God's people still lived there A few years ago, um, quite a few of us walked through Hezekiah's tunnel with Gary and Brian. That was there 300 years before Nehemiah went and visited Jerusalem, before this passage we're considering. But God didn't call one of the remnant. He called a newcomer to initiate change. Sometimes it takes a fresh new way of seeing things, a new face. A few weeks ago, um, the spotlights in my kitchen started to go out. When I went to Sainsbury's to get the replacements, they didn't sell them anymore. So eventually there was only one spotlight left, and the kitchen was gloomy, but I kept going. Then the house group came. They came into my kitchen, and they said, Ursula, why is your kitchen in semi-darkness? Why can't we see to make our cups of tea? It was only then, when fresh eyes looked at my kitchen, that I realised that actually I had to go and buy some bulbs or change the light fittings. So too for Nehemiah. As a newcomer to Jerusalem, when he went out at night to look at the walls, he had a great advantage. He saw things differently. He saw the reality of the situation in a way that those who had lived in Jerusalem for a long time didn't. Their familiarity with the situation diminished the impact of what was around them. As he travelled around Jerusalem, Nehemiah looked to see whether the old foundations would serve, whether they were solid enough, and what there was that could be reused. Like the parable of the house built by the wise man on the rock, God calls us to build solid foundations. We need to honestly appraise what we do, how we live as a church community, review our foundations to determine what exists already as solid, godly foundations, and be open to the Holy Spirit to inspire change where we need to build or rebuild. When Nehemiah had viewed and considered and probably felt the pulse of the rulers and the people, he told them what God had put into his heart to build up the walls of Jerusalem. But why bother to rebuild the city walls? Jerusalem could be like Petra, a tourist attraction with a Hilton hotel and a background for another Indiana Jones movie. But God had his hand on his people and on Jerusalem. There were many promises made by God to his people that were and are and are still to be yet fulfilled because of Jerusalem. Centuries later, Jesus would walk and teach in Jerusalem. Jesus was crucified outside the city walls. And at some time in the future, there will be a new Jerusalem at the time of his triumphant return to earth. So too for us here at Christchurch and as individuals, there are prophecies and plans which God has laid on our hearts through the years that are still to be fulfilled. God is waiting to give us renewed vision and and there are new visions that God is wanting to reveal to us. So, God is calling us to rebuild our walls, corporately and as individuals, so that we can fulfil his desire, his purpose for us as his people here. God can speak to me and to you. God can share his heart with us as he did with Nehemiah. In a time of silence, in a time in the early hours, or in time taken out of a busy day, God will speak to us. A few weeks ago, Jenny Rouch challenged us on the importance of spending time with God to strengthen our walls, to take stock of and improve the quality of our prayer lives and of our time spent reading and meditating on God's word. How have I... How have we responded to that word? Or has it been shelved to be looked at at some future date when I'm not so busy? We have been called together to pray corporately, to engage with the process of evaluation, to commit, to strengthen and rebuild our walls as a church. Why? Last week, Bishop Mark painted a depressing picture of what the Christian church in our country might look like in the twilight of its years, of larger churches growing at the expense of smaller communities of faith, of not noticing that the church is in decline and stagnation because the picture was clouded by just a few big, lively churches sucking the life out of the surrounding areas, that the church growth would be an illusion because it came by transfer rather than by conversions. The bishop called it the Tesco model of church life. Echoed here, in this passage from Revelation 3, I think there is a wake-up call to our national church. It says, Think of the gift you once had in your hands, the message you heard with your ears. Grasp it again and turn back to God. If you pull the covers back over your head and sleep on, oblivious to God, I'll return when you least expect it. Break into your life like a thief in the night. Yet you still have a few followers of Jesus in Sardis who haven't ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of the world's ways. They'll walk with me on parade. They've proved their worth. Nehemiah walked on parade with God. We too can walk on parade with God. If we are prepared to commit ourselves completely to the call of God on our lives and walk humbly before Him, then I believe as God's plans unfold before us, then He will work a miracle. And instead of the lights going out in the surrounding areas, we'll see the light of God's kingdom switching on, staying on, growing brighter. We can be part of a work that isn't a Tesco's, but instead is a resource, sending out, equipping, encouraging. But the account of Nehemiah also provides a warning to us. Every genuine work of God faces opposition, and Nehemiah and his fellow workers were no different. His arrival in Jerusalem was a threat to Sambalat and his associates. They wanted to keep the Jews weak and dependent. A strong Jerusalem would endanger the balance of power in the region and would rob them of influence and their wealth. As long as the people of Jerusalem were content with the status quo, the enemy left them alone. But when the Jews began to serve the Lord and bring glory to his name, he took notice. Opposition isn't only evidence that God is blessing, but it's an opportunity for us to grow. The difficulties that came to the work brought out the best in Nehemiah and his people. Satan wanted to use these problems as weapons to destroy, but God used them as tools to build. Nehemiah's response was simple. In verse 20 he says, The God of heaven will give us success. Previously, in verse 17, Nehemiah had identified himself with the people. He says, Let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a a reproach. He made himself a co-worker and the people identified with him. And he identified with the people. They were united. Within the camp there was no separation, no divisive spirits. Instead, Because of their unity, the opposition came from outside the people of God and not from within. For Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, when God called them to accomplish something for him, they did it together. As people of God, we can draw on his resources to endure opposition opposition from the world. We're even strengthened by it, but division within the body would be disastrous. In Matthew 12, verse 25, Jesus says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. There is hope, though. As Paul says in Ephesians 4, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient What we have traced here in Nehemiah 2 are the first stages in the rebuilding of a city. The first step was a deep concern that led Nehemiah to prayer. The next step, an opportunity for change, to which Nehemiah had to make a response. And then the facing of the facts of the situation honestly and squarely. When we take these same steps that Nehemiah took, we begin the process of change. When God called, Nehemiah was willing to pay the cost to say yes. God still calls today just as powerfully. Some of you may have read a passage from the multimillionaire Duncan Valentine's autobiography some of you probably go and pound on his treadmills at Meal brace. He describes his visit to a Romanian orphanage. And if the technology works, this is what he says. I went outside and found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet. My nose began to run and I was a mess. I had no choice but to let the tears flow and they just kept pouring out of me and wouldn't stop. After many minutes, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone. It was there and then that God said hello. I felt I had been consumed by this presence, that something has completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come, and I also knew why he had come. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived, join the faith, be a Christian, this is it. It was profound and I stood there stunned considering the offer and thinking about what it would mean. I knew I wanted to keep on building up my businesses and I wanted to keep making money and I also knew I wanted to carry on doing the things that I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays so I said no I'm not ready. And God said, okay, and disappeared. When God calls us, what will our response be? Thank you.